0: It's the black sheep sticking it to home i need a crib like i'm gatsby I I'm need it. in hand just understand my pockets that deep. with nothing to prove i ain't got nothing to do and i can't compete and i got nothing to lose you see? They told me i'm the one that's gonna benefit Never been
1: a so can- ah yes what's good everybody welcome back to veterans minimum the best sports betting vibe on the internet i'm your host nick dayes at nick Davis, hendryes you can find me all things veterans minimum are at veterans minimum Before we get started, this episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. Let's talk about sex. Guys, remember the days when you were always ready to go? Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up. BlueChew.com is your go-to. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra, Cialis, and Levitra, but in chewable tablets at a fraction of the cost. The process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. BlueChew tablets are also made in the U.S. of A and prepared and shipped directly to your door in a discreet package. So you don't need to be worried about your neighbors or your mom or dad or whoever. Finding that package and seeing that you need an extra boost, a little PD action, to get that thing going. Blue Chew wants to help you have better sex. Discover your options at bluechew.com. Chew it and do it. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code VM at checkout. Just pay $5 for shipping. That's bluechew.com, promo code VM to receive your first month free. Visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information. And we thank Blue Chew for sponsoring the podcast. Alan. How good of a read was that, bro? Fantastic. A1, baby. A1. What'd it do? Letting the people know, get their performance up,
2: (laughs) especially when it matters most.
1: (laughs) Hey, sometimes that's fourth quarter, man. That's where you got to lock in and it's clutch time. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Hey, Alan, it's been, uh, it's been a while since it was just us two on the show. Uh, Josh isn't joining us today. He, uh, He's feeling a little under the weather, so shout out to Josh. Hopefully he feels better. But there's a lot to discuss, as there always is, during the football season. And I kind of want to start the conversation now with you by asking you to give me what do you think is your biggest surprise through the first three weeks? Now, the surprise could be either a, a good surprise, a bad surprise, however you want to spin it. Alan, what would you say is your biggest surprise?
2: I want to take a positive angle. The teams that we expected to be top five, most likely in the draft order, kind of viewed them as hopeless going to year four or five wins at most, have been very exciting to watch and very competitive. These three teams, the Indianapolis Colts, the Houston Texans, and I can't believe I'm saying this, the good old Arizona Cardinals. Like these three teams have been enjoyable to watch pretty much every week. Um, from a Colts angle, their roster seems to be rebuilding, yet they bring it every week. Uh, their defense has rapidly improved, and Shaq Leonard hasn't really had a big impact. Again, get players like Zaire Franklin, EJ Speed, uh, doing things at linebacker, and Anthony Richardson, albeit I anyway, know suffered concussion and other injuries, but when he's on the field, he looks like he's ready to play for the next eight years. Houston, speaking of quarterbacks that can play for the next eight years, C.J. Shroud proved himself with a young, supported cast, and you just see the—you just see those players fighting for D'Amico, right? I think that's awesome to see because that Houston, Texas team has been unwatchable for what the past three years. So seeing them now, like I'm anticipating this game against the Steelers, and I think they could beat the Steelers, and who knows where they could take it from there. So good times in Houston, and you want to talk about Tina's playing for their coach. Make fun of Jonathan Gannon all you want. He might be nerdy, he might be goofy, but this team plays for him, and they're doing some things both offensively and defensively. So I just love the fact that these three teams that we kind of expected to win four or five games at most are really taken to the teams, and they're enjoyable to watch. Uh, Because obviously with the NFL, we want to see balance. And I think in a division that no one really talks about, in the AFC South, and a team that everyone pretty much wrote off in, what, April? These three teams are playing well, and it's something to watch for going forward.
1: Yeah, it's hard to disagree with you, man, especially when you look at... It's funny how something about that Philadelphia Eagles coaching tree... Remember Sirianni was getting clowned for having an awkward press conference when he got debuted as a head coach, and everyone was like, this guy's an idiot, he's not going to be a good head coach, they will be looking for someone new. And then in year two, they make the playoffs with him, then they make it to the Super Bowl, and now they're 3-0 and also. And it seems like they got a stallion at running back. DeAndre Swift has been absolutely balling for them. Add that new wrinkle into an already pretty unstoppable offense in the sense of great offensive line, great weapons on the outside. You got a stud tight end. Now you got DeAndre Swift. Sheesh, that one is crazy. Now, that's not really my surprise, but I do want to give love to Gannon and, and Steichen over in Indy because the expectations were really low for them. In the Colts right now, they're 2-1. and one. The Arizona Cardinals, we were saying on the Monday show, if you guys haven't checked that out, go and check that out, how you can make a serious case for them to be 3-0, and bro. Like, they could really be 3-0. I'm and just like, 3-0. I'm sorry?
2: Kyler's healthy. They're three and up.
1: Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're yeah, one and two. Think- both of the games that they lost uh, were one score games and they should have won both of them, like we we're saying. And then they go out there and they throttle the Dallas Cowboys last week. And I think the biggest surprise for me, bro, is that. Justin Fields and Chicago, uh, the 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 hype around them. Uh, Denver, maybe maybe a lot of the hype with Denver was because uh, you're a boy over here you know. with Sean Payton going in there. Carolina, getting the, the number one pick. They get Bryce Young. They bench him. I think they bench him, bro, after what they did, uh, putting Andy Dalton in there. I don't know how hurt he really is, but I just think that he's had that deer in the headlights kind of look. I've been messing with that all 22 look, Alan. I don't know if you've seen uh, any of those. I know you, you used to do the GIFs with uh, with the Falcons,
2: dude. Just Twitter is a bit difficult, so I do them just on uh on the Espination site. But yes, the NFL Plus, very inconsistent, but it's our best resource.
1: Yeah, and there's just a lot of things with Bryce Young that didn't didn't make me happy when I went back and I watched that. And I think the surprise for me is is that like these teams that kind of had a lot of preseason hype or hype might be the wrong word, but you know there Plus. was. There was a level of, like, expectation or potential. Potential might be a better word. And then it's just, like, flopped, right? Like, Justin Fields calls out his team last week, calls out the coaching staff. And then uh, the defensive coordinator kind of just resigns also. I don't like what's happening in Chicago. Uh, For it to look that bad, I think, is a big surprise for me. And then with Denver, too, like, Sean Payton, I actually think hot take, bro. Tell me how you feel about this. I don't think Russ is playing as bad as people are making it out to seem. But I think the defense might be the worst defense in the league, bro. After last year, I kept saying that they had the best defense in the league because of all the bad spots that the offense would put them in.
2: There's worse defenses, but they've been hugely underwhelming. And to go from Everett, who was his hot prospect as a coach, and now they have Vince Joseph back, who I don't know, I'm surprised he still has a job after last week. Uh, I agree with you. Russ has not looked as bad. I like the fact that he's actually throwing deep now. I think him in. Marvin Mims have a good report, which is uh, encouraging just because I think Denver needs that vertical threat, like someone that could take the top off of defense because I'm not sure if Judy can do that anymore and Sun's just too unreliable. So I think Denver's offenses look good and it's not a surprise. Like Sean Payne's a guru. So uh, I can see your frustration there. Uh, I think Russ is a bit of a scapegoat just because of what's, what it's been like for the last 18 months for him.
1: Yeah, it's fascinating, man, how... Uh... Preseason expectations, kind of like now, they, they look pretty bad uh, for some of the teams that might have had those expectations. And that's why you don't win divisions and conferences and Super Bowls on paper. You got to go out there and play, which leads me to the first game I definitely want to discuss on Thursday Night Football. And it's a team that I was really high on coming into this season. The Green Bay Packers are at home. They're playing the Detroit Lions. Talk about a team that had a lot of hype, Alan. Right now, the line is minus two Detroit on the road. Short week going into Lambeau Field. This is a game in which I don't want to say must win for a division, but I think it's going to say a lot about both of these two teams because from the beginning of the year, I felt like it was one of those two teams that could win the division. And with this game being at home in Green Bay, Alan, how are you feeling about this
2: one? I wish kind of had a clear injury report because you look at Green Bay as well as they have played; They're still missing key players. Like Christian Watson is supposed to play. But Aaron Jones is the focal point of offense as as good as Jordan Love is playing. Romeo Dobbs, I think, has always been one of those under radar. uh, great Great route runner, great hands. Like he's someone that I've expected to emerge they have a good pieces offensively, and Matt LaFleur has done a fantastic job, but they really need Aaron Jones to take the next step because I just think A.J. Dillon is a liability. So with him, we don't know about Bakhtiari's status. Jerry Alexander's injured and like oof, they're gonna need someone to cover up say Brown. So I'm a little concerned about the Packers health wise, but wow, you have to be thoroughly impressed about how they've looked. And defensively they just look more well organized and it seems like offensively, like they don't make a lot of mistakes and with a young quarterback who has a lot of pressure on him. I think it's been impressive how, you know, just the composure that Jordan Love has played with and you know, the fearlessness as well.
1: Yeah. I already went on the record after that first game that I feel like Jordan Love is definitely that kind of guy and Green Bay is going to be chilling for the next decade with him at quarterback. This injury report looks pretty bad, bro, for the Green Bay Packers uh, downgraded to out are both the Campbell and Bakhtiari questionable are Jair Alexander, Aaron Jones and Christian Watson. I mean, dude, I just named like their five best players probably, right? Like these are all guys who are massive for this team. And then Jenkins, the guard, he's out with an MCL against the lions and they are banged up. Now there is something from a betting standpoint that I always look at when it comes to Thursday night football. And As as someone that is not in the betting space, I would love to ask you this. I tend to lean towards the better coaching staff and quarterback Thursday nights, right? It's a, most of the time the team is coming off a three, four day rest uh, playing on Sunday. Quick turnaround, got to get the game plan in. I tend to lean just a little bit from the betting angle to, to favor that side. What is that side in this matchup? If you had to combine the head coach and the quarterback, do you take LaFleur and Love or do you take Cam- uh, Dan Campbell and Jared Goff?
2: I think just off resume and longevity, you still go LaFleur, but I'm thoroughly impressed by this Detroit coach's death. Like ben Johnson will be a head coach somewhere next year. They're offensive coordinator. I don't know where. Probably should have a job last offseason, but and he is just doing a master class offense. I don't think there's too many teams in the league running play action better than them. It just feels like they get 15, 20-yard chunk plays. That being said, though, uh, like this is a great coaching matchup, but LaFleur with his longevity. I'm not crazy about Joe Barry, but they see me playing better. But I think you've got to ride with LaFleur in love. But don't, don't uh, undervalue this Detroit coaching staff. They absolutely know what they're doing, and they're out coaching.
1: Yeah, I think something that's going to definitely play a role in this matchup more so than it did last week for the Lions, and I apologize in advance because I'm slandering your team while saying this, uh, they're going to have to worry about a pass rush more this week than they did last week. And Detroit is going to be out without, I should say, potentially Taylor Decker. And already downgraded to out is Viata the other tackle. Yeah. And now you got Rashad Gary. Uh, he's a guard? He's a guard?
2: Uh, the other, yeah, yeah Vitek like, moved to right guard. Uh, Penny Sewell's the other tackle. Okay. Yes, I forgot, Penne, was like, a top six pick.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of the, the discussion of the chase. Him and Jamar, yeah, yeah. So, that's going to definitely play a role in this matchup too, man, because I think Green Bay is really good in the trenches, and especially on the defensive side of the ball.
2: Yeah, uh, Detroit definitely missed it, like, they ain't getting sacks, but Atlanta hit golf nine times on Sunday. Like, they felt the pressure. Uh, but thankfully, I think Ben Johnson knows how to scheme it up. He knows to get the ball out of golf's hands quickly. And, dude, when you run play action, that max protect, it, can, it can just, it's able to give you more time. So, I think Detroit's able to mask their issues. Although, wow, you want to talk about someone that's just correct a game? Rashawn Gary. You watch Rashawn Gary against the Saints he is a game wrecker. Like They haven't missed a beat since losing to Darius Smith. Sean Gary has gone right in and wow, what a violent man.
1: Yeah, and it was a pretty emotional game for him too because he was coming off, you know, being hurt the year before. Mm-hmm. So, and I, Achilles, yeah. yeah, and yeah, he went crazy, bro. Three sacks, uh, absolute game record, and they, he was a big part of that comeback that the Packers had in the second half against the Saints. Dude, Sam Laporta? Oh yeah, this guy is it's like is he the number one target on Detroit? He was cooking last week, bro. What's up with these Iowa tight ends, dude?
2: Oh man, George Kittle like
1: started a movement.
2: Or maybe it was hot was hot Hawkinson
1: from Iowa? I think Hawkinson was also from Iowa, bro. Okay.
2: But like Hawkinson was like a top ten pick. Like and Laporte is what third round pick? And honestly, we know Kittle is a fifth round pick, but look, like, Iowa just knows how to produce some. Uh, I don't know too much Laporte, but he's just someone good route runner and he could block really well. And they just, they seem to believe in him. Uh, golf is known for targeting tight ends. Like even back with the Rams, like I think some of Higby's best years. So I think if whenever golf has a capable tight end, he's just going to target him a lot. That's not the takeaway from Laporta. I just think that's why you see, you're seeing uh, Laporta as like the number two option right now behind St. Brown.
1: Dude. Dallas Clark went to Iowa also, bro. Legend. Wow. That's
2: a gem right there. That, he's the originator then.
1: Bro, so Clark. Dallas Clark. Ready for this one? Scott Chandler.
2: Okay. Is that before our time? Or maybe before nah, my time? He played, he, played,
1: he played with the Bills. Played with the Bills. Like, uh, to, very recent, bro. Like, a couple years ago, he, he was on the Bills. That yeah, blocking tight. Uh, yeah. I mean, he, he called twenty one touchdowns in his career. Then you got George Kittle, you got Noah Fant, you got TJ Hawkinson, now Sam Laporta. And it's uh it's fun. It's always it's always cool when like these schools become known for like one positional unit. Mm-hmm. Like LSU school like you know, Iowa. Yeah, yeah, right. Like uh, you know, Wisconsin with offensive linemen, LSU with like DBs and wide receivers, Ohio State with wide receivers. These schools, Alabama with the running back. I mean, Alabama with a lot of different, a lot of different places. Yeah. But it's always, it's always fun to see that. Who do you got winning in this game?
2: I'm gonna go Detroit. Uh, I know golf and prime time on, on the road can be a little dicey, but uh, this Detroit defense is really stepping up, and I trust the coaching staff to get enough out of their offense. I think it's gonna be kind of a low scoring game, but I'm gonna ride Detroit. I think their running game is gonna get going as well, led by Gibbs
1: yeah this one is uh this one is interesting, so Detroit is ten and two against the spread in their last twelve games against Green Bay. Detroit is four and sixteen in their last twenty games when playing on the road against Green Bay. Now, it's something that I talk about all the time how I don't feel like these trends, especially the straight up wins that Detroit has had in Green Bay, they're very misleading because. It's basically Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre over the last 20 years that they had to go up against. And yeah, they had Stafford for a majority of that too. But I think you start fresh since this is a fresh matchup between two quarterbacks that haven't really played against each other. I mean, they haven't played against one another. So just a reminder, these betting trends that you look at because every game that we're highlighting this week is bar fights in the division. So... Just be cautious when you're reading about the sports betting angle or hearing about it, how any of these trends, just a little misleading, depending on which game you are looking at, right? Because for me, I got Green Bay in this one. I think they're going to defend the home field. I like that Green Bay is an underdog in this spot. I think that's a little crazy. And especially if they could get some of these weapons back because that's what I think is the untapped potential for this Green Bay offense, Alan, that Jordan Love hasn't had the full arsenal of weapons yet. And I know last year it took a while for Christian Watson to emerge as like the wide receiver one on that team. But now they're getting contributions from other guys and Dobbs has stepped up a lot. And we know about Jones being the focal point. Matt LaFleur finally has his offense and that was a big talking point coming into this season. And I think once they get all these weapons, like I really think Green Bay is a team to beat in this division. And if they could get a win on Thursday, I think it kinda sets the tone for the rest of the year. With all that being said about the sports betting trends in division, this next game up in Buffalo, bro, this is gonna be fireworks, dude. This is clearly the game of the week, no? Yeah, I can't remember the last time a one o'clock game has been this
2: anticipated. Like I I know it's too early to flex games, but man, you want to talk about just the cream of the crop, two offenses that you want to see, and two defenses that I think are playing better than expectations. This is everything you could ask for as a football fan.
1: Yeah, this is this is amazing, man. And uh, it was funny because the look ahead for this game was Buffalo minus four and a half. And then it got all the way down to Buffalo minus two. Now it's sitting at Buffalo minus three. Line has been all over the place, but... Alan, just a rule of thumb for me, bro. Anytime I hear a team have a first time ever or most points ever or greatest comeback ever, I like to kind of fade them the next week. And even though this Miami team is an absolute buzzsaw, kind of leaning towards Buffalo being able to take care of business. And I think rather comfortably too. Am I bugging for that?
2: Comfortably is a strong word. Uh, I just I don't know how you contain this Miami offense. I I think Sean McDermott's doing a better job uh, coaching the defense, but just this Miami team—they use so many motions, they use so many different formation packages. Like you can't jam Tariq Hill because he's just constantly moving, and I think they're going to get waddled back. So it's I can't see this Miami team ever getting taken out of a game just because that offense is going to score points. So I, I think comfortably strong word, but look, Buffalo. You trust that coaching staff and you know Josh Allen's going to make three to four wild plays. But I think Josh Allen hopefully realizes this game. The margin for error is limited because you cannot give this Miami offense extra possessions because
1: you're recklessness. With the exception of the one game in the playoffs where Buffalo played Kansas City, they've done pretty well against Tyreek Hill this this iteration of the Bills with McDermott at head coach at containing him. Tyree Kill has 28 catches for 226 yards and has one touchdown in five games against the Bills in his career in the regular season. Right? Like in the playoffs, that playoff game that was probably the greatest playoff game of all time, where Buffalo had the lead with 14 seconds left and then Kansas City came back to tie it. They've done a good job against Tyree Kill. And If you look at the box scores, it's a lot of seven catches for 41 yards, seven catches for 63 yards, nine catches for 69 yards. They seem to be, let him catch all that shit underneath. And let's just have everybody in front of him as opposed to letting him run wild. Cause dude, last week it was ridiculous. Every time I felt like Tyree kill caught the ball, he was wide open by 20, 30 yards. It was, it was unbelievable. And it's, especially against the Chargers, too. New England, they kind of contained them a little bit better, but I think if there's a team that I don't want to say has his number but does very well against Tyreek Hill and the kind of receiver that he is, is Buffalo and and Sean McDermott.
2: Yeah, especially those safeties. You know, Hyden Poyer are very disciplined tackle, really good. Like, there's, there's not a better safety tandem in the league. Miami now is a running game. Which I don't think they've had for the past few years with Mostert now Devin Aquine like it's it's clear like they just like the fact that they are running all over New England and that's how they essentially beat New England that was a big statement. Toronto Armstead's now back. Miami just I feel like they're getting healthier and it's just I don't know how you stop them other than pressuring Tua and hopefully you rattle them. That's pretty much it because just I don't know how you cover them because they're just they're moving so many different angles and. Mike McDaniel, like we, we, there was a lot of hype about Mike McDaniel like when he became head coach. Like, can this guy be one of the new young, bright offensive minds? How is he going to change the sport? And he's doing it right now. Uh, so I think they really have their work cut out for him because even if Tyreek Hill is contained, my, I feel like Miami could still beat you in three or four different ways. With the running game, with Waddle, and then even getting contributions from uh, Braxton Berrios or even uh, River Cracraft.
1: You know, what's... What's interesting about this game is from a betting perspective, you have 65% of the tickets coming in on Miami at +3, but you got close to 80% of the money coming in on Buffalo at -3. So this is a classic pros versus joes matchup where the public is just hammering Miami cuz they've been a covering machine, right? They've covered all their games rather comfortably also. They're 3 and 0 straight up, 3 and 0 against the spread. They're a money maker right now, and it just feels weird to also 3-0 and in the AFC, which is very important in the event that tiebreakers come down. It's very weird to see a team like Miami be so difficult to cover even with them not being fully healthy, right? Like, they didn't have Waddle last week and they still were able to do everything that they wanted to do. And that one play that they run, bro, they ran it like 12 times against Denver. And they, ran it. they run it a lot. It's, they do that jet sweep and then Tua hikes it before the guy kind of clears the offensive line and the one guy just sprints out to the sideline and then the other guy just a, does like a button hook. It's usually Tyreek Hill or Waddle. It just seems like it's 12 yards every single time. And I think that a team like Buffalo, especially how they've played Tyreek in the past and with McDermott, I think they'll be able to negate that. And if they do, I want to see how Tua responds to that. Look, Tua also, you got to give love to the offensive line and you got to show him some love too. He's been sacked one time, bro. I think he knows that, yeah, I know he did the jujitsu in the offseason, but I don't know how much a 3 months training of jujitsu has helped him. But all the falls that he took last year were what led to these concussions. It wasn't him getting cracked and that led to the concussion. It was how he was falling. And jujitsu helps you sort of brace your fall. And Tua's getting rid of the ball early too. And they're doing a lot of fun shit. Like that one touchdown that they scored where he kind of looked left and did like a no look pass the other way. Like they're getting the, the shovel, the shovel pass. Yeah. But like the way they did it had like some Magic Johnson flair to it. it. It looked a lot cooler than how other teams do it. They're very innovative. And I think coming off a monster win like that, everything inside me says, yo, Buffalo's going to be able to answer the bell. And I think they're going to be able to control Tyreek Hill. And I think it's going to come down to one of those classic, like last team with the ball kind of wins scenario. And the bills being at home, it's in division, a lot of smoke being blown up Miami's ass this week. That's another thing I'm trying, I'm trying to monitor. Like what's the big talking point every week. And then it seems, especially this year so far, I know it's only three weeks, uh, an egg gets laid, right? Like uh, two weeks ago, After Lamar's performance in week two, it was Lamar's back, and then they lay an egg against the Colts. Now it's Miami in this offense. In division, you play to win your division. You match up well against the teams in your division. I really like Buffalo in this spot. Hey, Legends, do you ever feel the urge to break away and discover the world with a like-minded tribe? Let me introduce you to Fly Me Out, the premier social travel club. Imagine if LinkedIn, Airbnb, and Raya had a travel loving baby. Whether you're looking to network with professionals on a beach or bond with creatives in the heart of a city, Fly Me Out has got you covered. Dive into curated experiences, and with their platform, it's never easier to find your tribe and see the globe. Don't just travel, make memories with Fly Me Out. Use code VM for expedited application review.
0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
2: So you're confident defense. You think uh, they could probably exploit Eli Apple. I'd be very concerned if Eli Apple has to cover Diggs or Gabe Davis. Like that, like they, this was a game where you really wish Jalen Ramsey was playing. Mm. Because Given Buffalo's playmakers and how aggressive they are. Like Jalen Ramsey, this is the type of game you, you, you trade multiple picks for. So at this point, he's not playing. But I, I think also big X factor and who, who will most likely determine the victor in this game is uh, who's going to get the after the quarterback better. Because I think both teams have pass rushers. They don't have that player that could take over a game. Von Miller was healthy, yes, Von Miller would be the guy. But both these teams have assets, but no one to really take over. Uh, but I think Miami is a couple of budding guys, like Jalen Phillips, Christian Wilkins, they've been emerging. You know, Bradley Chubb's still a solid rotational piece. I just feel like Buffalo, and this was one of the big knocks on them, is that they haven't really drafted anyone in the last three, four years. I think Ed Oliver is good, but Ed Oliver doesn't recognize. I think Miami's defensive line could force Josh Allen into multiple turnovers. And if you give this Miami team extra possessions, they're going to capitalize. So I'm going to go Miami. I think they have the better coaching staff, better pass rush, and a more dynamic offense.
1: I also want to mention that Josh Allen loves playing Miami. He has a passer rating of 106.1 with 2,684 yards, 27 touchdowns, to five interceptions in 10 games against the Dolphins. Uh, he lights them up. Absolutely lights them up. And I Let's think see he, if he can do against Vic Fangio. Yeah. The mastermind. Yeah, he's definitely helped. And you're right about uh, Jalen Ramsey. If he, if he was playing, this is the kind of matchup that you go and you trade what you traded for to bring him in. But I think Buffalo, man, they got a running game now too, bro. You know, for as much hype as this Miami offense has gone, and rightfully so, especially after coming off a, 70, bro, they've scored more points in that game than like nine other teams. One of them being my team, (laughs) right? So like, and by a wide margin too, which is nuts. But they're first in offense. Buffalo's seventh in offense. Buffalo has a number two defense in the league right now. Dolphins have the 23rd and then rushing and passing Miami is first because of what they did last week. But also Buffalo's kind of balanced, bro. They're, they have the seventh best rushing offense in the league. And James Cook has been someone that has emerged for them. And I think that was, always, that was always something we were talking about last year too, bro. Especially when Josh Allen got a little banged up. How he's so valuable to this offense. Not only because he's, he's the quarterback. And we know how valuable quarterbacks are. But, dude, he was their goal line back. And, yeah, it's cool when he's hurtling people and he's doing the, the Cam Newton stuff on short yardage, but eventually that adds up. And now if you do have a running game with James Cook, I think this is this can change the dynamic for the Buffalo Bills. And I was not high on Buffalo coming into it, but I like what I've seen so far through the first three weeks. Well said. Totally agree. I'm on Buffalo, bro. Who you got? Okay. I got Miami, uh, but it's a
2: very tough game to call Think these are two teams I wouldn't be surprised
1: they come play in January, yeah, I mean, I think both of them will be there in january unless unless an injury goes down, which you know we can't account for. Another thing that was really interesting, Miami has ten players on on the injury list right now. Buffalo has no one. Buffalo is fully healthy. They got everyone coming in uh granted, the people that are on i r prior to the season, but I'm saying like the 53-man roster that started week one. Everyone's available. So that's something to consider also when handicapping this game. The last game I want to talk about is also a division banger, and this is, a, this is going to be a slugfest, bro, I think. The Baltimore Ravens are playing the Cleveland Browns. When you're looking at the betting standpoint on this one, it's another classic uh, pros versus Joes where a lot of people are backing the Baltimore Ravens plus three because. They're 19-6-1 in their last 26 games as an underdog. Lamar is an underdog machine covering the spread close to 80% of the time as an underdog. And then you have Cleveland who, dude, where would you put their defense if you had to rank them?
2: Definitely top five, borderline top three. The only reason I'm a little cautious right now is they've had a favorable start. You know, when you play teams like Tennessee and Pittsburgh, you know, it's beneficial. Obviously, with the dig against Cincinnati, was super impressive. You know, with the weather's the weather, but I, I, this is the type of game where we're really going to see what this Browns defense is. They're absolutely loaded up front, but I want to see if their secondary can hold up against a group of playmakers.
1: Yeah, I wish I wish Buffalo, not Buffalo, sorry, Baltimore was fully healthy because uh, they got a lot of guys that are questionable. And boy, does this injury report look bad? And dude, like, what's good with Buffalo? Uh, why do I keep saying Buffalo? What's good with Baltimore, bro? Why is it the last, like, three, four years? They're just, every year, they're snake bit by injury. All right? How many times yeah. can you have the season from hell where usually throughout the course of NFL history, teams don't really have shit injury luck and then shit injury luck and then shit injury luck again questionable is Odell Ronnie Stanley out indefinitely is Marcus Williams the safety Marlon Humphreys like these are guys I'm a little
2: bomb, the center. he's a very key piece
1: yeah the center he's questionable also especially yeah. against this front yeah. that Cleveland got what's good with that bro what's happening
2: I have no idea. The training staff, like, I don't know if them and the Chargers have, like, the same issues, but yeah, Baltimore is missing so many players. Like, you watch, if you watch that Colts game, that offensive line got battered. And, you know, not having Stanley and Lennon these are two above average players. So if they don't have them against Cleveland, like, Cleveland right now, just what they're doing, like, I was a little hesitant on the Greg Williams, not Greg Williams. So for Jim Schwartz, the reason why I mentioned Greg Williams, because I, I haven't seen like a, there's not too many like ultra aggressive D coordinators left. I always think of Greg Williams, but let's just say Jim Schwartz is more mature, but oh man, they, this, they just, they love the blitz and they have an absolute game record that just, they'll move him around in so many different ways where I don't know how you could tame Miles Garrett. And now they actually have legitimate help for him. So Uh, man, this is a bad time for the Ravens to be banged up because as flawed as this Cleveland team is, they still have a recipe that could absolutely take over and really punish you.
1: Yeah, I like that you brought up who Cleveland has played so far because right now they have the number one defense in the NFL. And I think you're right that they're a top five defense for sure. And they're borderline top three. But you also haven't played nobody, bro. And, and like I know you play I know you played the Bengals, but they haven't looked good. And it wasn't just the matchup. It's trickled down, right? Like they didn't look good against the Rams. They didn't look good in week two, also. They're one and two now. But how good is this Cleveland team? And, you know, they could also and should be three and oh also, right? Because Pittsburgh, who You kind of shut down their offense. They got two defensive scores, which is wild. And I think this matchup, you're right about the offensive line for Baltimore because, man, if you had trouble blocking the Colts, you got these guys that you got to worry about. And I know you play for your division first. This is just a bad matchup for the Baltimore Ravens. And I do not like how Baltimore is moving into this game week four.
2: Lamar could only do so much. Like Lamar, he had a couple of magic scrambles last week. And, like, you know, you're going to get from Lamar. He's a playmaker and he's someone that has a great pocket presence. But I just think they bring pressure for so many different angles. And Darius Smith, who he's played for a lot of teams, but people forget he, his first team was the Ravens. You know, he's played for a lot of teams, but this is technically a revenge game. And Dava Thomas has been a big pickup. Uh, Maurice Hurst showed promise. And, and they just, like, Jim Schwartz's defense is just blitz. And I don't think they're going to be cautious in this game because they just know if there's a mismatch, they're going to attack it. So I'm interested sh- because Baltimore right now, they're going through a whole old, uh, scheme shift. Like I think one of the most fascinating things is like last year, one of the co- craziest stats, they only ran 11 personnel, three wide receivers, 166 times. I think right now they're at like 148. If not, like they're right at the borderline of like already breaking you know, that formation, because now they have actual receivers. So it's been a little bit of uh, adjustment going from like a heavy run scheme to now we're opening up the offense. We got Zay Flowers, we got Bateman, we got Beckham, if Beckham's injured, uh, Beckham's injured, then we got Nelson Aguilar and, you know, now Mark Andrew's healthy. So they're really spreading things out. Do you want to spread things out against the Cleveland front? That's a dangerous game. And I think this is actually one of the most fascinating chess matches we could ask for, because. We always know how good the Baltimore coaching staff is, but now they've kind of gone through a cultural shift. But then you got Cleveland, what they're doing right now—oof, things are going to get devastating. Like I'm very curious to see how both these quarterbacks fare because there's a lot of pressure on both.
1: Yeah, two of the most expensive quarterbacks in the league, and two that had a lot of question marks upon them getting paid for clearly different reasons, but. I have a I have an interesting talking point that I want to ask you about Deshaun Watson and the Cleveland Browns. Because I always say how if if you could be honest about your team, I think fans could provide a specific service to insight for you on their team if they're not delusional, right? Like, how many friends do we have, Alan, that were like, you know, the Jets are winning the Super Bowl, even prior to the injury where Aaron Rodgers are just... A lot of the Knicks fans that we know that are saying that they're going to get Giannis are going to do all this crazy shit. And then it doesn't happen. Like there's some fans that are delusional, but if you could be honest, you could provide a lot of insight. And the reason why I'm bringing this up is because one of the guys that I train with over at Syndicate, Big Teddy is his name. He's a Cleveland Browns fan. And he asked me, he's like, yo, bro, do you think the Nick Chubb injury is a blessing in disguise? because of how much of a focal point he was for this offense. Because last week, around this time, I kind of trashed this John Watson for just not looking like himself. And then he comes out and he plays his best game with the Browns. And the best game he's played in a very, very long time. I know he had that crazy backwards lateral play where he was just trying to do too much. But 27 of 33 for 289 and two touchdowns quarterback rating of 123.4. How do you feel about that take, man? Because I don't I don't really know because Nick Chubb was such a big part of what they wanted to do.
2: That's an outrageous take. Absolutely not. Nick Chubb's a top three running back. Nick Chubb is understandably a true focal point. Like He's one of the most complete backs in the league. You give him the ball 20, 25 times, expect him to run for 100, 120 yards. Uh, there's a reason why Stefanski built that offense around him. The uh, Watson thing, I just Look, Tennessee's secondary, you can get at it. It's they just decimated cornerback, and they haven't really, they're rebuilding for a reason, and they have not really addressed the corner position. So I'm not really buying the whole Watson resurgence. Okay, it's one game. Good for him to get back in a good space. And look, they got playmakers, absolutely. I think Elijah Moore's been a big pickup. The dominant people is Jones is someone that uh, doesn't get enough respect. He's someone that could take a top off the defense, and we know what Amari could bring. So they got playmakers. But to undervalue Nick Chubb is just, there's no sensible reasoning behind that. I think everyone knows how good Nick Chubb is, and I think the Browns are going to miss him dearly, especially when they start playing against you know these types of games. Because Baltimore, I know they're injured, but that defense still won the better units in the league. You know Roquan Smith's leading them, so no, they're, they're they they dear, dearly miss Nick Chubb.
1: Who do you got in this game? Another tough one. I'm going Cleveland just because of injuries, and I believe in the talent. But I,
2: man, Baltimore is a better coaching staff, and Lamar is just someone I think that could pull things out. But I think Cleveland's pass rush and their playmakers on the outside are going to win it. I'm a little concerned about Baltimore's second. That's another thing. And you know, I can see Amari Cooper having a big game, and hopefully the refs don't rob him if it happens. But uh, I'm going to go Cleveland. Uh, even though I'm concerned about Deshaun, I think they have enough talent to win uh, very close. In time.
1: Yeah. I, w- I want to wait. I'm definitely not betting this game unless I know for a fact that these tackles are going to be out or these offensive linemen, I should say are going to be out for Baltimore because I think in the trenches, it's just such a massive mismatch. Even, even if those guys were healthy, now you have the backups going up against these dudes and the way they're moving miles Garrett around, I think is really interesting. And He's just one of those guys, man. I said that there's five guys right now in the NFL that I think are our first ballot Hall of Famers, and every every window of NFL games that you're watching, bro, you watch either Bosa, Chris Jones, Parsons, TJ Water, Garrett, and you're like, yo, that's the best defender in the league. And then you know, four o'clock comes around, you're like, nah, it's him. And then the four thirty game starts, you're like, nah, nah, it's this guy. And then Sunday night football, one of them is playing, so. It's fascinating how good these defensive ends are, these pass rushers are, and he's no different, man. And the way they're using him is really interesting. Like he had that one visual of him doing like the crossover on uh, the Bengals center, Mm -hmm. and they're just moving him around inside, outside, he's standing, hand in the ground too. And he's a game wrecker, bro. I'm going to lean towards Cleveland. I'm definitely going to wait. If you do want to bet this game, I would wait until uh, pregame. You know, like, uh, what time would that be? they will be around 8.30 Pacific time, 11.30 Eastern time to see what the final injury report is going to be. Who's active, who's inactive. And then that's going to sway my decision a lot in in betting on this one. But I do like Cleveland to get the job done in this spot here in division. And then I think they would move to 2-1 and in division with this win. So, again, this is a team that if they get this win, bro, can honestly you can honestly say that they should have been 4-0. and But I know should have, would have, could have. You're not a fan of that.
2: I think Pittsburgh deserved the win. Like, I, don't, I don't think that was fluky. I think the Browns offense was horrific and uh, Pittsburgh just made more plays. I don't think they should have won. I think Watson was horrific and he turned the ball over in the worst way.
1: Well, we'll see. I'm excited for this week. I think we have a lot of games that have uh some compelling storylines, even if we didn't touch on them. Like I'm fascinated to see what happens when New England and Dallas, especially Dallas coming off that ugly loss. Uh you have a someone's probably getting fired matchup in in Chicago between Denver and and the Bears. God, talk about a shit game. That is one that uh, you know, come Monday, people might lose their jobs. Um, and then you got you got Chiefs on uh Sunday night football going up against the Jets. This whole Taylor Swift dynamic, uh, apparently she lives in New York, so she'll probably be at that game also. So it, it's cool, man. I'm excited for this slate for sure.
2: Hey, yeah, man, we got a London game and a, and a pretty cool London game, too. I know both teams are coming off losses, but they got fun offenses.
1: Yeah, your boys. I'm not waking up for that, bro. That's yeah, 630 my time. I'm not. I'm just. I'm talking to the people right now. I
2: understand the West Coast, but yeah, you know, I'm talking to the East Coast, Mid, you know, Central. Talking to if we have English listeners, mm-hmm. was, look, I know Kermit Lee's big, but B. John Robinson, future Hall of Famer, enjoy.
1: Oh, future Hall of Famer, Hall of Famer, B. John Robinson. Let's go. What about general it's generational? What about generational talent, Kyle Pitts? How do you feel about him? What's what's actually before we wrap up, yo? What's uh? What's the word around the block about Kyle Pitts amongst the the I'm
2: not sure if he's healthy because there was a play, uh, the second drive where he actually got open downfield on a deep post, and then he just was like limping in in the process of like trying to accelerate. Like it should have been a 50 yard catch, but he slowed up, and people are roasting Ritter about it, like oh Ritter overthrew, but no, if Pitts actually was running. He would have caught that pass, but. Ultimately, I, I, I'm not sure if he's healthy, and I just think people got to come to terms. With Atlanta's offense is just—it's exciting, but there's just a lot of weapons there, and a quarterback that you cannot trust one bit at the moment. So they don't really have much of a drop back passing game, but they have a lot of playmakers because you have to account for Bijan, you have to account for Algier, um, obviously Drake London, Matt Collins, Cordell Paris will be back at some the point. They just have a lot of players. You know, Jonathan Smith's there now, so. Kyle Pitts will have his moment, but I think we got to come to terms that Kyle Pitts is not going to be this guy that's getting eight to ten targets a game. You know, hopefully, he gets the six.
1: Man, I want to I want to be at a bar with you, getting hammered, and ask you this exact same question because I feel like you're holding back a lot of comments that you really want to say about this offense.
2: Ah, uh, no, I like the uh, that Desmond Ritter. Look, he's got seven <laughs> starts, but. Man, nobody leads the league. I think he leads the league in most turnover worthy plays if you follow PFF. So it's it's been a roller coaster ride, and there's been more crashes than
1: joyful moments. Alan, this was fun, bro. Let people know where they can find you, and if you're working on anything, plug away. Uh,
2: Alan Sterk, That's A-L-L-E-N-S-T-R-K. I just recently wrote about how the Lions absolutely made down the Falcons in the trenches, and Arthur Smith's lack of adjustments, and then tomorrow I'll have my film review about it. And uh, on Sundays, I now do with Espionation, I review Falcon years immediately after the game. So, yeah, I'm, I'm in football grind mode. It's that time of year, but you know, I think going to this year, especially with the team doing better, they are doing better, shockingly enough. I know last week was ugly, but they are doing better. Uh, I'm definitely rejuvenated and you know, kind of like you, man, it's just, it's go mode now. Like, it's football every day even on Tuesdays and Wednesdays like we're watching games grind tape and you know just getting ready to go.
1: Alan will be on the show again next week. We'll do some quarterly. Can't believe it's already going to be week 4, bro. Seems like we get so excited for football to to get here and then when it does, shit just you know it's almost October. Before you know it, it'll be December, and then the Super Bowl and then we're like holy shit, it's March madness. Like it's always just I think it's because we're also so busy around this time of year that these days just like cycle through man but yeah it was fun to connect yeah. again bro After the double headers on monday night haven't helped like the, i'm i'm, I'm kind of over the double header on monday night
2: i'm glad we're going to one game soon
1: my boys my I boys just, another primetime game baby that's what we want we want the giants on on sunday yeah. nights monday nights thursday nights that shit that shit yeah, fucking they the team. got they got buffalo in a few weeks man I know. i know you're going to you're going to enjoy that one bro they got so they got miami in 2 weeks and then they got buffalo yeah, it's uh, prime time. I don't know if it's prime time, but I, I know they're going to Miami. I no wanted Buffalo's to, prime time. Buffalo is prime time. Lovely,
2: Yes, yeah, nice. uh, Sunday night. Brian,
1: De- Brian Dable revenge game that's what we're calling that one. All right, man, it was fun talking <laughs> to you, bro. I'm gonna do this Patreon uh roll call and uh, we'll chat soon, man. Thanks again for your time. That was, that was good, man. Great talking to you. Have a good night. All right, everybody, before we continue this show, I got some sports betting stuff I want to address and talk about and then uh, talk about this Damian Lillard trade, which went down today and it was super crazy, but uh, big shout out to the members of the Patreon. We are currently at 82 members. Uh, The bomber jacket last month, it's on the way to David Kawash. I sent it out yesterday. Sorry for the delay. And also, in the month of October, we're giving away two VM custom football helmets. So, one is going to go to one of these names over here, which is in the franchise tag in Supermax tier, the $20 and $40 tier. We got Mahul, Patel, Abel Resin, Ben Cozzi, and Christopher Velasquez, Derek Platee's Dylan Chadwick, Jerry Shapiro, Jordan Riley, Mike Stevens, Mike Wozniak, Nick Crummich, Rune, and Thomas Robinson. And then also I want to give a shout out while we're doing this to the New members of the Patreon over this last month, we got Bob Sip, Bo Templin, Shasta Bo, he's been on the show before, Tyler Edwards, Alex Harden, Nathan Johnson, Ian Clardy, David Kawash, Adam Genova, a year pledge from Tom, another pledge from Thomas. The Zeal 85, Lewis Wong, Raymond, and JZP. Thank you all so much. We're at 82 members for as little as $1, one American dollar a month. You can support the show. And then we have a $5 tier, which you get all the betting picks. If you're watching this on YouTube, you can see it right now. Shouts to my guy, Isaiah, in the booth as he has this up. There's access to the Discord. You get all the betting picks. Like I've said before, it is the best sports betting value sports betting package, you get $5 a month. It's like 16 cents a day. You get the UFC, you get soccer, you get NBA futures, you get everything. NFL, obviously. And we're off to a pretty good start. Pretty good start. Then the $10 tier we have over here, we got some giveaways that we do for those members in there. And the $20 tier, we have discounts to the merch store. We have the roll call that we just went through. And then the $40 tier, you're basically just like a crazy bastard if you're in the $40 tier. And we we appreciate crazy bastards, man. Listen, we all have our flaws. But if you're a crazy bastard in the $40 tier, we definitely, definitely appreciate you and we love you. So it's patreon.com slash veterans minimum to support the show. So before we wrap up, a couple of betting things to look at as we move into week four. Uh, something went down last week that I didn't get a chance to discuss on the Monday show because I didn't have the information yet. But it was a very public week in the NFL. Very public week. And what I mean by that is week three of the NFL, there were eight games that featured 70% of the bets slash tickets were coming in on one particular side. They went seven and one. The public went seven and one in those spots. And I got those spots right here. 86% of the bets were coming in on the Seahawks minus four and a half. That hit. 82% of the bets were coming in on the Dolphins minus six. That hit. 82% was coming in on Dallas minus 13. That didn't hit. That was the only public favorite that got hammered that didn't cover. Lions, 75%. They covered. Chiefs, 74. Eagles, 73. Patriots, 73. Bills, 72. The public went seven and one. The reason why I'm bringing this up is year in, year out, you see there's weeks where the public goes crazy and they crush it. They'll go seven and one, they'll go eight and three. And then there is an immediate regression the next week. And right now the early public week four NFL sides where 70% of the bets are coming in on Kansas city, Minnesota, Cincinnati, Seattle, Detroit on Thursday night, a game that we were breaking down the Chargers, which is going to be a home game for the Raiders. Because if you thought the amount of Steeler fans that were at Allegiant Stadium on Sunday was bad, wait until you see how many Raider fans are going to be at SoFi for this Chargers game. You got the Eagles. You got Denver getting 72% of the bets. And then you have Miami getting 70%. So just pursue with caution, man. Anytime you have the public win one week, We always say to fade the public, but the public is right sometimes also. But when they're right, like they were last week, seven and one, I would just be very cautious this week. There are a couple of games that are getting 70% of the bets that I do like. Philly, double revenge, right? It's your division rival. It's also the team that ruined your winning streak last year when they beat you on Monday Night Football with Taylor Heineke, and they also beat you at home. So double revenge there. And then I also think that I mean, I'm definitely not taking the New York Jets, right? Like, I know it's nine and a half at home. I would just be careful. So I wanted to make note of that, that anytime you have the public win the week before, just pursue with caution as you move forward with these games where they're seeing 70% of the bets. I want to close out this show talking about Damian Lillard. Damian Lillard got traded today uh, to the Milwaukee Bucks. The Bucks immediately went to the favorites to win the NBA title this year. They're a four-to-one favorite. Uh, they're up there with the Suns. They're up there with Boston. They're up there, obviously, with Denver. Those are your four top favorites to win the NBA Finals this year. And Damian Lillard is the first player to change teams after scoring more than 32 points per game the year before. This has never happened before. So this is a pretty iconic trade that went down. And I think the trickle-down effect from for this move is a few things. Damian Lillard gave the Portland Trailblazers 11 years. That's as loyal as it gets, bro. Nowadays, guys are leaving teams after three, four years. It was the same argument I used to make about LeBron James. People hated on LeBron for leaving Cleveland. And I think obviously it was the way he handled it with the whole decision thing. But he gave you seven years. Dwight Howard gave you a bunch of years in Orlando. When these guys give you a decade plus, Eventually, they want to move on. They want to try something new. And that's what happens. I don't think you could fault him for that. I don't think you could say that he wasn't loyal to the franchise because he did everything he could to help them win. And they had some moments where they went to a couple of Western Conference finals. They had some big moments in the playoffs, the iconic wave that he did to, to the Clippers where he hit that shot on Paul George and you know how he knocked out the Houston Rockets early on in his career where he's coming off that screen against Harden and the Rockets. And now he goes to Milwaukee. Dude, you could have trade. You could have bet yesterday, yesterday. I'm gonna have to have some conversations with some people, especially if you're following on social media. You could have gotten Dame going to the Bucks, thirty to one yesterday. Come on, man, thirty to one yesterday. This really came out of nowhere. If you look at it from that perspective, it was rumored for him to go to Toronto. It was rumored for him to go to Miami, which a lot of people kind of felt like this is such a Pat Riley move. It was kind of a missing piece for him and this Miami team. And now he goes to Milwaukee. And I think that also means that the, the dream of Giannis uh, selfishly as a Knicks fan there are a lot of rumors again, once again, as a Knicks fan just falling for the trap every year, but I think it ends with him staying in Milwaukee. I I think this move sort of solidifies that there is a a contract extension coming up for Giannis that he could sign, which is like the super duper max. And I think ultimately he's going to stay in Milwaukee. He's going to close out his career in Milwaukee with this move here. And, yo, this starting five that they have, it's going to be pretty wicked, man. You know, having Middleton, having Giannis. Having Dame, just those three guys alone, and uh, Cunnington, Pat Cunnington coming off the bench too, as like a six man. Like, I always talk about the five guys that you could put out there The in game five, down five, five minutes left. What's the five that you have out there? And Milwaukee's going to have one of the best ones in the league. And It was just something that we definitely needed to talk about today because Dame is one of my favorite players in the league. He's the reason why I have NBA league pass when I was living back in the East Coast. And him and Giannis, that's a dynamic duo. And I think they complement one one another so well because Giannis is a primary ball handler, but I think it's always been because of of a need more so than anything else. Where now he'll have Dame and we'll get to see Giannis off ball too. And then we'll even get to see... We we'll get to see Dame off ball too, which is going to be interesting because he's one of you know he won the three point contest last year. He's a pro- prolific shooter also, so it's going to be fun, man. Every year it seems like we get a NBA player of this magnitude to just shift teams, and I'm excited for it. Uh, I want to see Giannis get another ring. I think it'd be dope to see Dame win win a, a championship also, and yeah, it's going to be fun, man. It's it's always interesting with the NBA. They seem to make these moves when no one's kind of talking about the league and all of a sudden it's like, yeah, Dame gets traded on a Wednesday during the football season. So it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. But we'll wrap up the show. Uh, Thank you all for listening. If you're listening to this on Apple, if you're listening to this on iTunes, Spotify, wherever it is, if you can leave a rating, a review, it goes a long way into helping us climb up the algorithm on uh, all these podcast platforms. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Moving forward, uh, we didn't stream this show live because we had to change times. The the show is going to be going live on YouTube 4.30 to 6.30 Pacific on Mondays and Wednesdays. So that'll be 7.30 to 9.30 Eastern time. And like I've said, those are the only two coasts that we really care about. So if you're in a different area of the country or if you're international, you got to figure that one out for yourselves. You know i do love you guys but sometimes you gotta go and do some googling and the show is going to be on youtube uh follow us on twitter instagram facebook uh tiktok everywhere we're, we're everywhere it's at veterans minimum as far as i go it's at nick day as 10 as you can find me on all social media outlets and we'll catch you guys next week
0: is. Bronze like your metal oh, is. Man. So many deer in headlights, but it's bedtime. Hear a supper bell, main course, beat the venison. Dab, most dangerous
2: game. Either kill or be killed. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on.